welcome to GW Integrative Medicine, the podcast about disease prevention and health promotion from the Office of Integrative Medicine and Health at the George Washington University School of Medicine and Health Sciences. I'm Dr. Lee Frame, Director of the Integrative Medicine Programs here at GW. And I'm Janet Rodriguez, the Office's Administrative Director. Today's guest is Randy Parker, a digital health and supply chain entrepreneur and CEO of Genius RX, a new full-service, fully automated digital pharmacy. Genius RX simplifies the process of managing medications through convenient packaging, proprietary technology, and personalized service. Randy brings more than 25 years of experience building successful, disruptive, consumer-focused companies using the latest technologies. Welcome to GW Integrated Medicine, Randy. Pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, the pleasure is all ours. This is an exciting area to hear about. Um, so we know that one of the things that GeniusRx is, is designed to do is to provide the lowest price medicines, OTC products, and supplements to healthcare consumers. So what sets it apart from the pack, or, or what makes it different from something like GoodRx? Yeah, no, and that's a great question. I think that the uh, what what is currently evolved in this new category that we fit under, which is the digital pharmacy, is to really take uh, advantage of seeing how important it is about doing one, providing better insight and, and intelligence of the medication that's taking being taken, both from the provider side as well as the patient consumer side. And the second is to being able to deliver that uh, home to the home in the most convenient way. And that's from a, a way that uh, we are different than a good RX, which is providing and has done a great uh, job of providing consumers in the U.S. with the knowledge that medications can be shopped and have different prices from a transparency of cost perspective. Certainly, if they're paying for medications out of their pocket, a good statistic around that is of the approximate four plus billion scripts that were written at retail in 2019, uh, 20% over a billion never got picked up. That was after the yes. physician wrote the script. The medication then either was was paid for uh, by uh, for a cash consumer and or adjudicated for a payer. And the, the, the key reasons is actually one, sticker shock. The doctor prescribed it with no knowledge whether this was a medication that was covered by the insurance and or whether their patient could afford it. And then once the patient was informed by their pharmacy of what it was to cost, they were not able to pick it up because they had to, to maybe in many cases decide between uh, food for their family and or getting that medication. The second was transportation and the difficulty of being able to get that medication picked up or uh, in, in the case of, of, of anyone that needed the medication and certainly in the senior population, no ability to get the transportation to pick it up it, itself. In the case of, of Genius RX, we uh, provide technology, which we called RX intelligence, so that the physician who is ordering the script before it goes through ePrescribe and gets through the short script network and gets sent to pharmacy can get an insight and recommendation on, 
Is it a covered medication? Uh, are there alternative medications that can be prescribed that would be less expensive? Or is there a program, if it's a new branded medication, that we can uh, place that patient on so that their out-of-pocket expense would be affordable and either zero or a very low copayment? And then the second part of Genius RX is we have dispensing capabilities uh, that we can uh, deliver medications across the U.S. in either a compliance pack, which has been around also from a very long t- for a very long time, but making sure when the medications are delivered for your um, maintenance meds that you're receiving the medications in compliance packs RX. OTC and natural vitamin and supplement, or maybe you were prescribed a metformin 1,000 milligram uh, pill by your doctor, which is a horse size of a horse pill, but you can't swallow it, that we would recommend we would chop that into two 500 milligram pills and still place it in the same compliance uh, packaging. Well, that's fantastic. Um, so it, it, it's making it easier for consumers to get the medication and, and the supplements that they need in, in a way that they actually can utilize them. But I didn't realize that it could also be a tool for healthcare providers. Uh, it sounds very valuable. The How could the provider know what the patient's insurance cover is for all the medications they might prescribe? Can you tell us a little bit more about how that works on the provider side? Yeah, so the, 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 the technology um, that, that would sit and it'd be middleware between the physician's uh, EMR and the e-prescribed component. We uh, will, as far as the software uh, application, which again, we call RX Intelligence, we look at multiple data sources. And for each patient uh, who is contracted through their PBM plan, we, uh, or their, in their employer, we, uh, analyze all of their claims data, both in clinical and prescription medications that they've been on over a long period of time. We also take data from their PBM so we can present without adding more workflow to the physician, this recommendation uh, engine around affordability and appropriate uh, treatment from a medication perspective. And that transparency for price, whether it's in uh, network from a formulary or not, is one. The other is doctors now would have more availability to prescribe new branded medications that are available, but they've not been able to prescribe, A, because it's not yet been in formulary that we can and are integrated into most of the manufacturers so we can make it really easy when they prescribe it so that it would cost zero or low copay and be able to not just be limited to the branded medication that they've been used to prescribing, but are not as uh, utilizing new medications that become available that are FDA approved. That's great. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's new medications coming out pretty much every day and keeping up with them is difficult. Um, Even if it's a a, a field that you're working in constantly um, to keep up with it all. So that sounds like a great resource for healthcare providers. I know that our listeners will be very appreciative of that. One of the things that I keep thinking about 
is that you know you're you're trying to make this easier for the patients and in this time with the the covid epidemic or pandemic um, a lot of people are stuck at home even people who maybe otherwise would have been able to easily get to the pharmacy um, so that is giving a different audience to your product than maybe you had anticipated did that change any of your rollout plans it it, it has in in uh 100%. I think a silver lining of this pandemic is a complete shift and an acceleration tipping point for uh, creating a digital transformation in, in a way that has uh, exponentially increased uh, the, the, the need and the awareness at the provider community of how important the using digital health services, both on the telehealth side, as well as the digital pharmacy side, uh, is as part of practice. It, it's not uh, anymore either uh, virtual health and digital pharmacy or in person. It's how to use it in the most important way within inside your practice. Sometimes the patient uh, needs to be in exam room one and physically, of course, uh, examined and in other cases they could be in exam room two, which is appropriate from a telehealth perspective. The the, the COVID nineteen has not only created um, this tipping point around how important being able to utilize telehealth and digital pharmacy is. It's also has driven a new way of thinking in the sense of how efficient and, and powerful these tools are. You know, of course, during a pandemic, as well as um, post-pandemic, that I think um, that that tipping point will, will never turn back. And so uh, I, I think it's really important, even in, in twofold, though, though still that has to be Resolved. One, we've seen a temporary uh, reduction on policy when it comes to being able to use these tools, a Zoom uh, that that may not have the same uh, HIPAA privacy protection, and so this is accelerating policy change, but also the reimbursement of these services as well will uh, accelerate. And become in line. I'm optimistic, which are have been two obstacles for physicians to uh, change their adoption when it came to telehealth services. Is one the ability to make sure that policy supported it, but more importantly, the reimbursement of these services on the same par with in-person uh, visits. Yeah, that is a very good point. And it's something that we've been talking a lot about at GW, actually. Uh, we switched most of our sort of non-COVID-related care to telehealth where possible. And I know we're really excited about that as a prospect because patients seem to love it. Um, you don't get no-shows for telehealth, right? Sometimes people just can't make it to an appointment even though they thought they were going to be able to because something came up at work or they had to go pick up their kids. But with a telehealth appointment, it's a little bit easier to do that from anywhere um, and makes it more convenient for patients. They also seem to like it. 
So I think that's something, at least here at GW, we're going to try and keep here to stay. Randy, prior to Genius Rx, you were the CEO of the telemedicine company uh, MD Live. What's the most important MD Live lesson that you're bringing to Genius Rx? So I, I, I founded MD Live back in 2006. And at that point, um, a lot of pushback, regulatory pushback, provider pushback to being able to define how a patient could connect with their doctor without being physically examined, a lot of regulatory hurdles that we had to overcome, a lot of pushback in just overall utilization and uncertainty from the payer and provider side of, would this create better care? Would this create uh, inappropriate utilizations because of better access? So, you know, doing this for what took a decade to be able to get a change of uh, acceptance to be able to demonstrate return on investment at the payer side and improve performance, certainly from the early adapters, adopters on uh, telehealth. And one of the things I, I learned during that 12 year period of time was as we started to make improvement around demonstrating the cost savings and better uh, efficiency at the practice level, we were then at the same time forcing those same patients to have to, when appropriate and medications were prescribed, get into their cars or Ubers to go pick up their medications um, made no sense to me. And so that was the, the reason we started to develop over the last couple of years, Genius RX and the digital pharmacy capabilities of what we call the last mile to making sure that we could align the efficiencies and automation capability between the telehealth visit and the delivery of medication to the home was, uh, was critical, not just in the sense of convenience, is very important. We talk about medication as local, and we have for many years, but we're not allowing for the convenience and the appropriateness. But what we also need to do is really focus on the the, the cost of the non-compliance and adherence of physicians prescribing medications and having no ability to assure that those medications uh, are being taken on a on a regular basis, and, and the digital platforms that get created today are able to give that feedback and to be certain that the cost uh, and efficiency, specifically in value based care uh, contracts that providers engage in, getting compliance, adherence, and engagement of their medications is critical, and this c- completes both the access to uh, using telehealth, but also the delivery and compliance of medication that I was able to learn uh, over the last 15 years of being able to be the pioneer in in both of those cases. It's it's all about removing those barriers to people being compliant. One of the things that uh, I noticed is that you all um, don't seem afraid of supplements. 
I'm very happy to see that. Uh, is there going to in in um, Genius RX? If you put in your supplements and your prescriptions, will it tell you if there will be any complications taking, say, um, magnesium with your blood pressure medication or your cholesterol medicine? And that's a really good and important question as well, because we think that the perspective of even what a prescription needs to mean needs to be redefined in the sense of, I think historically it was always an RX. And we see, certainly I'm not an expert in this field, but our our team is, is totally focused on the ability to make sure that we're expanding and going beyond the pill when it comes to what a prescription means. And so it could be appropriately an RX it needs to also take into consideration OTC products, uh, the proper natural vitamins and supplements, the proper clinical uh, protocols that may also include specialties like acupuncture, for example. Um, in, a, in addition to, we want to spend more of our efforts developing uh, the ways that we can look at adverse effects to certain medications as well. And so in, in that case, we think that we'll be able to look at genetic testing and what is being called pharmacogeneric genetic testing um, and in the sense so that we can respond back to the both patient and provider that the medication therapies and or combination are creating in some cases more harm than good. But there's a lot of development that has to go into being able to provide that because historically, I don't think physicians thought about um, anything more than the RX they've been trained to expand to uh, consider not only the alternatives, but also how to best utilize the combination of OTC natural supplement and vitamin and RX together, when to and when not to. That's wonderful. It seems like that would be a really powerful tool for our integrative medicine practitioners because that's exactly what they're doing, right? They're they're utilizing all the tools in their toolbox. And if their pharmacist only knows about the prescription that they wrote and not about the well, it was also a prescription, a prescription for supplements or that they put them on a special diet that maybe um, has a higher risk of low blood pressure. And so that's something that they need to know about if they're on a blood pressure medication. Um, it sounds like you're really helping have a more of a systems approach to healthcare, uh, bringing all the different aspects into patient care and putting it in a centralized location. 100%. And this is um, as we start to move away from FIFA service to value-based care and outcome uh, the as we're speaking to large groups, physician groups now, um, we're getting just a tremendous amount of support and enthusiasm around this shift and, and going about this as well, uh, how physicians practice medicine because of this, uh, what, what has occurred because of COVID-19, at least in some of the practices they're thinking, we don't want our sick patients to come into our offices if we can treat them at home and deliver the medications and 
alternative uh, OTC and natural supplements that can be delivered at home. And if we could measure and, and have the data back to us around that compliance, then we can do a much better job of looking at well care versus just treating sick care. Absolutely. Um, that's something I've often thought about myself when I go to the physician for a wellness visit, that I'm also there with people who, you know, even not in the time of COVID, who have contagious illnesses. And is that really the best m- method for keeping people well? Probably not, but we didn't have a lot of great alternatives. Um, so now that we have tools like uh, telehealth with MD Live and the centralized prescription and supplement database that you're building with GenusRx, uh, we'll be able to think about bringing this into our model. And I'm sure that COVID-19 is going to push that even faster. Randy, when are you all going to be um, launching Genius RX. I know you were planning on the summer. Yes. So Genius RX is, uh, from a dispensing delivery perspective, is acquiring existing traditional and repivoting using robotic process automation, existing mail order facilities that have been highly inefficient across the U.S. And so we have completed our first location in Boca Raton, which has been there for since 2015. So we are a new disruptive platform, but not a startup. Uh, from a deployment of the Genius RX uh, and putting on its first commercial clients will ha- happen this summer uh, from a time frame. We're right now shooting for July, August timeframe in certainly anticipation of validating the return and cost efficiency and ROI in anticipation for our January 1 open enrollment for uh, new employer, payer, and MA plans for 2021. So that's great. You should be up and running uh, before the fall, which hopefully will not have a second wave of COVID, but it's entirely possible, um, but at least before the flu season. So hopefully we can stop the spread of of that when people can get their Tamiflu online instead of having to go physically to the pharmacy to pick up their prescription. And yes, and delivering it to their home for the acute medications, which have to be administered within the first 24 hours is a national um position that we have as well so that we can take advantage of the telehealth offerings, which are predominantly today uh, treating acute conditions like Tamiflu as an example. The way we plan on managing that across the country is by leveraging the local independent pharmacists across the U.S. that have never had the technology and uh, tools that they've needed, but do represent collectively over 20,000 locations greater than the traditional large brick and mortar uh, retail pharmacies, but also allowing the pharmacists in local communities that can operate on the top of their licenses in conjunction with the physicians will be very powerful from a care delivery, both from pharmacy chat and capabilities to collaborate with their providers, but also 
to expand things that they can do when it comes to uh, participating in medication therapy management, to participate in pharmacy chat uh, as well uh, is a big part of our deployment to better uh, take advantage of that underutilized uh, resource when it comes to uh, collaborating with providers across the country. I'm really glad that you brought that up. That's something that we are actively working on here at GW. We think that the pharmacist is a, a way undertapped resource. In many other countries, you wouldn't go to your primary care physician for a lot of the things that we just talked about. Your sort of basic checkup, you would just check in with your pharmacist and they would get you the prescription you need and then you would go home. Um, but that does not seem to be the case in the U.S. And I know a lot of pharmacists are feeling um, discontent. Like they don't, they aren't helping people the way they hoped they were going to help people. So it's great to hear that you're providing a resource for them to do more active patient care. Randy, I don't know if Lee's told you, but we do an annual CPE symposium with pharmacists. So with independent pharmacists specifically, this year we're going to, the focus is going to be stress and uh, chronic illness, but we're definitely going to make sure that they know about Genius RX. Yeah. And I think that that, that's so important around that. First of all, the, 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 the capabilities we're seeing because of COVID-19, the relaxation in some of these policies the desire in many cases of why we're not utilizing our nurse practitioners and our pharmacists really has more to do with business models and state regulatory barriers, um, which now we've seen relaxation. You've seen for COVID-19, the uh, approval for pharmacists to be able to help and assist in the uh, home testing which has to be overseen and by a, a physician traditionally was uh, expanded to pharmacists across the U.S. We're going to see more and more of that, which I think will align with the GW integrated uh, method of how this will transform itself. And in many cases, what we've had to deal with in the telehealth world, even going back to licensure you know, not being a physician, but being a technologist my whole life to change consumer behavior. I didn't understand what was the difference between a patient in New Jersey versus one in Connecticut. It's a patchwork quilt, my friend, a patchwork quilt. Mm -hmm. But as you said, it seems like a lot of these barriers are are finally coming down for NPs, PAs, and um, uh, pharmacists. It's just too bad that it's taken a, a pandemic for this to happen. 100%. Exactly. So, so we've talked a little bit about how this pandemic is changing the face of healthcare, but I'm wondering, just with all of your experience seeing and, and actually causing change in healthcare, what do you see coming next? What is the maybe the thing you're most excited about seeing in terms of change for healthcare? I think the thing that I'm most excited about of around healthcare disruption is the ability to finally to leverage the way that we've seen data and technology improve every other sector that as consumers we expect. And whether that's in the fintech 
or in anything else that we buy or use in our daily lives, healthcare has been blocked because of policy, in some cases because of hiding behind HIPAA, not that that's not important, uh, and, and certainly because of the uh, financial impact that it could have on certain sectors. And so, so to me, the thing I'm most uh, excited about is how to leverage that data to truly bring the technologies that have not been the limiting factor around being able to move uh, the, the data that physicians have available to them uh, in, in a way to uh, leverage that more effectively, whether that is in the way that they're remote monitoring a patient uh, from our Fitbit watches to our uh, home monitoring capabilities that are now available and to drive that in a way that can scale so that physicians can operate at the top of their license and not have the patients have to be addressed when in many cases it's too late, but as part of a much more efficient process. In in my world, the way I think of, of the technology change, it's the tricorder that we see on Star Trek <laughs> is close to becoming a reality. And if physicians had that power to treat the, the, the most the sickest patients in their offices, but managing patients from birth in, in leveraging ingestibles and other ways to monitor them, uh, then, then the world uh, will be a healthier place. Well, I look forward to seeing that healthier place. That is all the time we have for today. But thank you so much for joining us, Randy. We really enjoyed it. You're welcome. Thank you so much. Stay safe and healthy. You, you too. too. This is a GW Integrative Medicine podcast from the GW Office of Integrative Medicine and Health. I'm Dr. Lee Frame. And I'm Janet Rodriguez. Thanks Thanks for for listening. listening.